0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraights.com. This is your host, June Rumley. Our guest today is Gavin Oliver, one of the founders of EcoZip. Established in 2012, EcoZip is an adventure and ecotourism company designed to get visitors out of tour buses and into the bush. The company was built on the concept of commercial conservation, or the belief that profit doesn't necessarily need to be the sole reason f- to be in business. So today, I'm going to speak to Gavin about on why he decided to be a part of the venture and how tourism businesses such as his, make a buck. Hello, Gavin. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Hi, nice that. To, nice to speak to you.
1: Great. Uh, let's dive right into the questions. You migrated to New Zealand from uh, the UK in 20, uh, 2008 with an entrepreneur visa and met Mac- a Texan guy and started EchoZip. So I'm just curious to know why did you choose uh, such a business? Well,
0: June, it, it wasn't a deliberate decision. So in 2008, I, I'd, I'd spent... 25 years in, in, in you know what you kind of call the corporate rat race. And I worked for a big corporate company. And, and so my customers were banks and hedge funds and financial services companies. And I, I felt, I really genuinely felt there had to be more to life than the, than the daily commute. Um, and by luck, um, by good fortune, I spent some time in New Zealand and fell in love with the country. And I just decided, I thought, well, this this would be a lovely place to live. So we, we up sticks without really too much of a plan uh, and ended up here in 2008 on an entrepreneur class visa, um, and the, and the the thing with an entrepreneur class visa is you, essentially the New Zealand government trusts you and they give you two years to create a, a new business, and, and obviously create some jobs and, and start paying some tax, create some GST payments and so on and so forth. And if you do that, they let you stay. But um, but sadly, if you don't hit those targets, they they they'll show you the door. So it was a it was a really interesting process
1: excellent yeah so there was an article that you recently wrote and you actually said that it was because of a detour you did from dubai right you went to dubai for work and then you did a five days detour so before that have you ever been to new zealand no no no, all
0: right yeah i spent no time in new zealand i'd always had a hankering to come here but i'd never been here and i I spent five magical days here um and i quite literally fell in love with the country and I, i i went home and uh, it's a great story but on the, on the first day that i commuted i was commuting into central london and uh, and and i and i travelled through new zealand and i'd seen some of the fantastic countryside and i'd had this experience standing on this transalpine train crossing these braided rivers and looking at people fly fishing and i was, and it was idyllic it was it was summer and it was it was warm and peaceful and Anyway, so I go back to London, and, and you, you know the, the underground is packed full of people. On my first day back, I was stuck in some guy's armpit. You know, The guy was holding onto the leather strap, and I was stuck in the guy's armpit. And above the door, there was an advert for Tourism New Zealand, and it said, wouldn't you rather be here? And I thought, yeah, hell yes. Were and, uh,
1: and <laughs> so you running a business, or were you in a real job, and you quit and then packed up and sold your house? Did yes, you know,
0: I, no, I, was, I was a partner in a, in a corporate travel agency. i got two business partners, and I, so I told the boys that I wanted to leave. But I, I went to my wife and I said, hey, look, I think we should emigrate to New Zealand. And she, fortunately, she said yes. She didn't think I was nuts, and she said yes. And, and so we made the decision to go. So we sold our share in the company. We sold the house. We sold the cars. We liquidated absolutely everything. All my belongings ended up in a 40-foot shipping container. And we moved to the other side of the world, not really sure what we were going to do with with one child under two and at the time we departed we suddenly realized we got another one on the way so when we arrived my wife was 20 weeks pregnant so it's kind of madness um, to do that just to, you know but, but we did it and, you know, you know it's 12 years later
1: Yeah, so you didn't know a single soul in New Zealand?
0: no i got a sister living here but i so we we live but we but i yeah that was it we knew one person
1: okay so then you came to new zealand and you met this texan guy right who happened to be your business partner in echo zip so apparently it said that you went for some camping trips and you met him over beer is that right
0: yeah. So, so, so I, when I first arrived in New Zealand, I joined a hiking club or in New Zealand, it's known as tramping. You go tramping. So I joined this tramping club and I met this lovely guy called Peter Brown. And Peter said to me, Hey, I know this mad Texan and I think you two might hit it off. And, and he was right. He was obviously a great judge of people. And so Peter introduced me to Chris and Chris and I got on like a house on fire from the get go. And we were, because he's from Texas and I was from the UK and we were, the, the, the motivational kind of the inspiration was the same. So that here's this beautiful part of the country that, that, you know, the fringes of Auckland are beautiful. Um, yet so many visitors came here and they would jump on buses and they'd go off to Rotorua or they'd jump on planes and they'd fly to South Island. And we thought, well, hang on a minute, what could we do that would get people out exploring, you know, the region? Um, and 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 that was really where it started. So that, that, And the inspiration was, you know, we, we said, what could we do that would get people off tour buses and into the bush, into the native forest? And so that, And that's where it started. And it was... We, we in addition to a love of hiking we both share a love of craft beer and 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 so we would meet on a Thursday night at a bar and 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 throw mad ideas around and one night Chris walked into the bar and said what about zip lines and I, I had no idea what a zip line was and and, I, and, he, and he said oh it's a steel cable you know you hang off the steel and I said that sounds dangerous and he said no that's great fun and so we so the next thing, you know, this this pair of buffoons that know nothing about adventure tourism are riding zip lines in all sorts of places and and and, and learning about. It.
1: Okay, so what was Peter doing in um, New Zealand? Was he also on an entrepreneur visa with you, or was he in a job? No, you know,
0: Peter Peter was a, a Peter was a seventy year old Kiwi. He he'd been a, an entrepreneur in his own right. He was pretty much retired, um, and he he met me through tramping and Chris through um, through golf, and so he oh. just you know, he was just he happened. it was lucky circumstance, Jen. It was just. uh, he happened to put us both in the right place at the right time
1: and what about chris what was he doing there was he there before you like how many years had he been in Mm. new zealand
0: yeah he arrived in 2006 with his wife and his two daughters and they they were living uh, they were actually living on waiheke island um and he'd had a very successful career in the senior living and retirement community sector he'd been a, a pioneer of a thing called assisted living um and he was sort of I kinda you guess you'd call it semi retired. He was enjoying a, a fairly relaxed lifestyle. And I don't think he was looking for a new venture when we met, but we um we kind of spurred each other on.
1: All right. So um okay. So why um did you guys decide to do this business together? What was the the spark that made it happen?
0: Yeah, look, I think the inspiration for us is it, it's 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 both as we got older and our and our kids have grown up. I think we've become more and more aware of of kind of what kind of legacy you leave as a as an entrepreneur or a business owner. Um, and for a long time, I I've wondered, you know, what will my kids say to my kids about me as a business owner and and, and what I achieved. Um, and we really felt very very strongly that there was an opportunity to get into tourism that had a commercial. We called it commercial conservation. So that the, the concept that you can take a commercial operation um, and use that as a vehicle to fund restoration uh, and regeneration. Um, and you, obviously, you and your listeners would have heard a lot about sustainable tourism. But we, you know, we, we're now talking about regenerative tourism. We're talking about tourism that's, that's that's actually is leaving a positive byproduct. So it's not just about maintaining the status quo. It's actually about improving the environment and improving the the, the lives of our communities through tourism. And that that was what excited us. Um, and zip lines seemed to be a, a fairly natural way of doing that
1: so money was not the motivation it was for to help the environment right
0: yeah look money's it's money Always, you know we've we all got mortgages um and you know but but no it wasn't money it was we we for us it really was about a legacy um or it started with that idea that and and we 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 Acquired this piece of land out on Waikiki Island, which is a, a beautiful piece of, of, of a very old native forest, about six or seven hundred years old. And it was in a real state; um, it was full of invasive um, weed and pest species. And we realised that we could use the, the zipline business as a way of restoring this to its its, its former glory. Um, and the Maori people talk about um, a, a, a process of kaitiakitanga, which kaitiakitanga, which which essentially means guardianship. It's that acceptance that. We're not owners of the land, we're just trustees um, and we have a responsibility to, to hand that land on in a better state than when we acquired it. Um, and it's a very, you know, for, for a very ancient concept, it's a very far-thinking idea and, and, and we kind of incorporated that into the business.
1: Alrighty, can you tell me how did you overcome trust issues starting a business with a stranger? Because... A lot of people would rather do business with their family or a friend that they've known from, from the childhood, but you know, this guy is a Texan. He's not even the same nationality as you (laughs) you went into a business with him. So did you, is there an ironclad contract that you crafted out before going to business with him? And, um, what are the things that you do if, did you ever think that if it goes south, what would some of the methods, I mean, the, the kind of things that you might take to mitigate the situation?
0: I think part of it, uh, so there's two phases to that process, Jim. There's The first phase is the leap of trust, which is, you know, to, to say I'm going to get into business for someone that I don't really know and particularly to get into an industry that I don't know because I've got no background in adventure. I've got no background in tourism and, and nor had Chris. So to take a chance on each other requires a leap of a leap of faith um, there is, there are, there are some, um, that there's some legal recourse that you've got because obviously when you form a limited company here, um, you have articles and shareholders' agreements and, and there are things that, that bind your behavior towards one another and bind your behavior within the company. But that first point at which you make the decision, I'm going to start investing my time uh, and, and my personal money in, in researching a venture. There's no, there's no legal way of tying that down. I think you just have to, it's a decision you have to make. And I, I spent a lot of time with Chris and, uh, and I, I spoke to people that knew it and I couldn't find anyone that had got anything bad to say about him. And I did, I did quite a bit of research and the, and, and the feedback that kept coming through. Every time I spoke to anyone about Chris, they said, this is a guy that does what he says he will do. Um, And it, and it, and it became pretty clear that this was a a very principled guy. Um, and, you know, 12 years later, I've, I've, I would, I've never had a moment to, to doubt that relationship. And, and he, and, but it is, it's a leap of faith at first.
1: So, did you do any special contract? Like, did you guys talk out, trust things out? Like, okay, if we fall out, what happens? It no, we possible? no, we didn't.
0: We 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 had a we had a legally binding contract. So, well, we had a contract insofar as we had you know for the company that the articles of association and so on and so forth that require that the bind how we manage the company. But no, there was never a point at which we said, you know, we, we, if we if we fall out, we're not going to do this. The, the, probably the most uh, the closest we've ever come to that was a discussion we had a few years in when we were talking about the future and, and, and actually developing another site. And we kind of reached an agreement, which was, we'll do this for as long as we enjoy it. And when we stop enjoying it, we'll stop doing it. Oh. And, and, it's kind of an, and, a, and that was a handshake agreement. So there's no piece of paper.
1: <laughs> That's really lucky. You're lucky. Um, so it took a, your business four years to reach commercial success instead of the two, right? So um I was just wondering, with this entrepreneur visa in New Zealand, are you allowed to take desk-bound jobs to pay the bills? Because when you're doing a business, you know, there's a lot of outgoing. And then uh, it takes a few months or sometimes years to break even and a few more years to make profit. So what was your plan? How did you... Come kind of um like, yeah what
0: did you think? yeah but by, by the time we set up ecozip i'd, I'd, I'd managed to, i'd already proven to to the government that i was worthy of, of permanent residency so by the time we set up ecozip i was i was kind of safe but you still had that process you know we thought we'd get the business into profit in two years and it took us nearer four and there were some very pregnant pauses you know when we'd sit there and sort of we'd scratch our heads and occasionally we we what we articulate you know whether whether we'd made a terrible mistake and we got it all wrong um And we were both, you know, and particularly me, we were were living on our savings. We were living on our investments, and um, but we could we could see the potential, um, and we knew it was coming. It was just a question of keeping faith, really. But it's tough. It's tough times, and particularly when you've got a young family, um, that you you just. Yeah, I mean, we—I was fortunate enough to have the savings to enable me to do that, and, and but no, so I didn't need to take another job. I wasn't I wasn't waiting tables or or, or cleaning up in McDonald's. And I know the story that's 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 typical of many entrepreneurs.
1: But okay, um, can you do it though? Uh, does the visa allow you to work? No. no. What about your wife? Can your,
0: she work? Yeah, well, she can. She was allowed to work, um, but bear in mind we got two small kids at this point. Um, so Liz's ability to work was was somewhat curtailed. Um, so oh, it, sorry,
1: sorry, I sorry to interrupt. Okay. So that means you the one. Does the the property that you liquidated from the UK and every, all the share the money? It helped you during those times, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's what we were spending. We were living off. Essentially, we taken the, the last I don't know twenty years of our lives. We liquidated it, and we were we were you know we were living off the last twenty years of, of prudence.
1: Did you ever in those Four so years, everything like, oh my God, have I done a mistake? Or is this worth it? Yeah,
0: frequently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, of course, if you don't have moments of self doubt, um, I, I, I'd be amazed. Any... any anyone that starts a business and doesn't tell you that at some point they wonder if they've massively miscalculated i'd, I'd be I, I i would admire them but i also i find that amazing because you do i mean there are moments of self-doubt in, in anything like this and, and there are highs and lows but then you have these little wins and you suddenly think we well, yeah, actually you know we did you know we we have done something right and then when, once it you know once it lurched into that sort of end of the third year start the fourth year and we, we could see where it was going point, you know you relax finally
1: so you said just now you didn't know anything about zip lines and then and you still went ahead with Chris. Chris Chris suggested this business to you, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did it ever come across your mind if there were consequences, like if your customer would have got into a nasty fall, there would be a lot of ramification, like a lawsuit. Um, so how did you talk yourself out of this fear?
0: The New Zealand safety environment is probably um, amongst the best in the world. We, we have a, a, a mandatory uh, safety system here called the Adventure Tourism Regulation. So, uh, adventure tourism operators here are required to be registered with the government and then we're regularly audited on our safety systems, policies and procedures. Um, and so it's one of, and, and one of the great things about the way that the New Zealand government did this, they, they actually engaged with industry to do it. So the, the, the standards were written in collaboration with the sector. So we had those things. So we, so we're regularly audited. So you have to have faith in your safety systems and you have to have faith in your people. Um, and that's really the key, the key thing for us is that we, we have a very robust health and safety system. Um, and we, and it's, and it's regularly tested. Um, and then there's an external test. But it, but you have to know that you're operating at, a, at, a, at 110%. You, you, you can never relax where safety is concerned because, you know, in a, in a, in a moment's inattention is, is when something really awful can happen.
1: Did you, like, uh, do you, did you and Chris do a business plan? And then you did. Okay. And also you did all the um, what-ifs, what-ifs, lawsuit. Did you put lawsuit, you know, they the usually budget. Did you budget anything for lawsuits?
0: Um, no we didn't um, we, we <coughs> rather hoped we wouldn't run into one of those um, New Zealand's interesting um, you, you can't be sued for uh, personal injury in New Zealand um, so uh, that's one of the one of the things that um, that, that businesses here don't have to contend with um, so but, it, but still that doesn't lessen your obligation to comply with the appropriate health and safety regulations as a business owner if you get it wrong you can be in a, you personally can be in an awful lot of trouble. So we didn't, we didn't leg, or we didn't allow for lawsuits but the, the business plan, I guess we, we worked it out at some point that we think we put about 3,000 hours of research into the business um, and into developing multiple budgets um, and multiple scenarios. Um, and those things as as your listeners will know they're, they're a really movable feasts, they're dynamic and they, they change on an almost weekly basis in it as 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 new opportunities arise or new issues come to light. So so there was a business plan. Um we were probably a bit optimistic on some of the timelines, on how fast we'd we'd hit some of the timelines in there. Uh but yeah, there was a, a very detailed plan behind the business.
1: Okay, so with this were there any changes every year or did you like just did it once and then forget about it?
0: <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a dynamic thing. A business plan always needs to be a dynamic thing and it's something that changes constantly. Um, and so there, there were, there were milestones that we set for ourselves that we didn't achieve and we then back, went back and reviewed those milestones and we, and we were really honest with ourselves about what, what we needed to do, to, uh, in order to, to you know, to, to make those, you know, to get to those those points that we needed to get to.
1: Awesome. How much did you and Chris uh, invest cash wise? Well, it
0: was, it was it was a fairly significant investment. The, um, the the build um and the land and so on and so forth um is valued, um over five million dollars, uh, five million New Zealand dollars. So it was a fairly significant investment.
1: Okay, so it's fifty fifty you and Chris.
0: Yep, we're 50-50 partners in the business today. Um, and we've, it's a, it's a look, it's a hybrid structure. And I won't bore you or your listeners with how the structure works, but yeah. So and and we jokingly say that Chris is the brains and I'm the talent. So
1: um, I just want to take you back I a mean, bit. You didn't like look at other businesses which had a cheaper uh, entry point. Um, we
0: did look at yeah, we did look at acquisitions. Um, we we had a, a fairly broad look at the market. But at that point, so back in 2010, when we first started thinking about this, there was only one commercial zip line in New Zealand. Um, and the research that we've done, and I mentioned that we've done about three thousand hours. The research that we've done suggested that it was a very ripe market here. There was a great opportunity, and it and it and it really fitted perfectly uh, with our aspirations around commercial conservation. This was a this was a, a sector that we could move into that wasn't already heavily populated, um, and that was was prime for bringing a, a conservation element to it so it was so I don't think we ever wavered in our belief that it was the right thing to do I was
1: curious to find out why you didn't think of doing bungee jumping
0: there's already a, a very successful New Zealand operation doing bungee jumping and there was and there's quite a few operations in New Zealand so really what I think as a business owner for me i I'm a, I, I want to grow the market I don't want to I don't want to cannibalize the market I wouldn't go and open you know a, a zip line business next door to you know, one of my one of my colleagues. The, the other guys that own zip line businesses in New Zealand are my mates. You know, we, we talk to each other all on an almost weekly basis. I wouldn't go and open next door. I, I, I'd like to try and I, I'm interested in doing things that, that grow the market.
1: Okay, what are some of the downfalls of running a service based tourism business in New Zealand?
0: Um, the borders can close.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how do you how do you mitigate that? What what are you doing now?
0: Well, look, when, Jim. When the borders, when, at the point at which the borders closed, about seventy percent of our customers were international. Um, so obviously, the impact on us was was enormous and and, and, and very immediate. Um, we literally felt it overnight. Um, and there's no playbook for that. I, I did an interview last year where where the, the, the journalist asked me, "How do you prepare for something like that?" And I said, "I don't think you can because there's, there's no, you know, there's no historical precedent in the tourism sector for this kind of thing. So you you, you really are living by your wits." Um, and I'm very lucky that I work with a brilliant team of individuals. Um, and between us, um, from our operations manager to our site manager to the safety manager, the, the, all, the, the whole team really, and, and right down to you know, everyone, our zip line guides, our drivers, um, there was a real collaborative effort to think about, okay, well, how do we pivot this business? How do we move from where we traditionally were with Seventy percent of our customers being international. So how do we how do we how do we move and, and, and embrace a, a much more domestic audience? Um, and that's that's been a learning. Well, I say it's been a learning curve. I mean, it's a learning experience that hasn't stopped yet. We're still learning. We're back. We're currently now running at about seventy five percent of our pre-COVID visitor numbers. Um, we have seen a few Australians since the, the border to Australia opened, but it's largely domestic. So it's a it, it remains a, 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 a an uphill climb. Um, but we, we've learned a lot about the business over the last 12 months. We, we, so I arrived in New Zealand in the teeth of GFC in 2008, so that was very much on my mind, and, and, and Chris has a background in finance, so he, he and I were both acutely aware of that. I don't think we, – we, we didn't necessarily think about things like SARS um, and pandemics were, were not the sort of issues. For us, the biggest challenges were around safety – um, and for example, what might happen to our business if if somebody in our sector had a terrible accident, and what might we be, um, yeah, or might we be damaged, or might we suffer as a result? So they were the kind of things we thought of. But I, I don't think anybody in the New Zealand tourism sector in in 2010 and onwards was thinking about the effect of a, a global pandemic.
1: Now that uh, so you said that you've gone back to 75 percent mostly local tourists, right? Okay.
0: So it's, it's predominantly domestic visitors. Um, and we have um, a, a reasonably high number of uh, overseas visitors that are, that are still in New Zealand and international students and so on and so forth that haven't been able to leave and, and they're still travelling. But, but also there's been a real, um, from the middle of last year, it became clear that, that New Zealanders were really keen to get out and support um, tourism and hospitality businesses. There was a palpable, almost a, a, a sort of sense of camaraderie um, when people got out and they supported and they are continuing to support tourism business, hospital businesses, and, and the kind of businesses that have been affected by COVID-19. And for us as a business, it was about how do we change our our, our, our offering um, and, and appeal even more to those domestic customers?
1: Basically, right. Um after four years, you a book even, and now you're you're this um you know making money. Okay, I just wanted to find out, right? Do you plan for uh, the future? Is this kind of your business, right? Do you plan ahead for to you know like pain points like now, like COVID, right? You, is that part of your planning?
0: It is now, yeah. Look, and it will be. I mean, there's going to be a lot more facts that come onto the quite come onto the table as we think about the future of the business. We have another location in South Island that we we were due to open last year. We were going to break ground in uh, May of last year with, a, with the intention of carrying our first guests in October, November. Obviously, that project was put on ice because of COVID. Um, yeah. How we think about that now and how we plan for that is going to change substantially. Um, and things like business interruption um, and that ability to, to, to possibly cease operations for extended periods of time is going to, is going to feature quite largely in those plans. And that—that's not the sort of thing we thought about previously.
1: Are you planning to pivot into a new offering soon, like completely different from Zip Line? I mean, Eco Zip, sorry.
0: Yeah, no. Look, we—we we, we talk about it. We—we we, we constantly talk about it. Um, and you know, should we do something else? And, and about a year ago, we did start looking at potential acquisitions. Obviously, COVID has put all of that on ice. Right now, the main focus is on, um, we're looking at adding some new activities to our Waiheke location and possibly adding food and beverage up there. Um, because it's a, it's a stunning site. Um, and it's an opportunity to potentially, um, bring some, some new stuff to our existing customers. Um, and then there's, there's Kaikoura and the expansion into a second site down there. Um, and, and Kaikoura is, is, is a stunningly beautiful location with a, a, a fantastic marine tourism background, um, and we think that a conservation-focused tourism business there will, will, will fit really neatly, sort of hand in glove.
1: Awesome. Okay, and that is all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Gavin Oliver, one of the co-founders of Echo Zip. Thank you, Gavin, for joining us today.
0: That's an absolute pleasure, and I I, I hope you found it interesting or at least useful.
1: Yes, the pleasure is all ours. Be sure to catch our next episode where we feature another awesome entrepreneur from across the Tasman. Thank you.